0: Scripture, the book of Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans, and um, just keep your Bibles open if you have them uh, open. And uh, I'm not going to read it until the end, but I'd uh, be grateful if you'd go ahead and find Romans 10, and we're going to begin reading uh, at verse uh, 9. I do appreciate your presence here today. I want you to know that uh, on Monday morning, we, we meet every Monday morning at 7.30, several of us in the chapel for prayer time. This past uh, Monday, we prayer walked. We walked every, uh, every part of this building in anticipation of today. And uh, no matter how well uh, the next uh, 20 or 25 minutes goes, I want you to know that, um, that the Spirit of the risen Lord uh, is here. And we expect uh, that he will do something despite, despite the imperfection of my efforts. Comics, um, comics used to be only for kids when I was growing up, but not anymore. Comics now have uh, fans of kids of all ages. Marvel is a big comics company. And um, there's a big movie, I understand, coming out on Thursday. Some of you probably already know, Uh, The Avengers Endgame. The Avengers is the team of of superheroes that keep us all safe. We don't even know all that's going on, but they… Superman and all that team. Well, Marvel Comics, again, has a big uh, big movie coming out on Thursday, The Avengers Endgame. But there's some comic controversy about uh, about the movie. You see, in a recent Marvel Comics uh, movie, two of the superheroes, and maybe others, I only know of two. By the way, I know this from John Lemons, our uh, young adult minister. He's the one who has uh, schooled me on, on all this, lest you think I'm hip and cool. He's hip and cool, and he's told me about this. That, that in a recent Marvel movie, um, two of the superheroes um, Spider-Man and Black Panther die. The problem is that uh, there are already uh, trailers for this coming summer's movie that features Spider-Man and another one that features Black Panther. So the, the problem is that um, if they're dead, then how, how are they going to have more uh, movies? And so it looks like that in, in this, I hope this doesn't spoil the movie for you, but... It looks like that um, in this upcoming movie that, that um, Spider-Man and Black Panther are going to somehow uh, come back to life. And, and that, again, has sparked some controversy. I, I didn't take John Lemon's word for it. I went on the interweb and looked for myself. And sure enough, one blogger says, uh, sometimes in comics, the only thing that's worse than killing a character is bringing him back. If you don't know much about comics and the Avengers, you might remember Dallas. Anybody remember Dallas back in the <laughs> in the 1980s? The two popular brothers were uh, J.R., remember who shot J.R. one one season? And um and Bobby was the other brother. He was the popular uh, likable uh, brother. At the end of the 18 uh, 19 84-85 season, the last episode of the 84-85 season, Bobby was tragically killed in an automobile accident. That was the 84-85 season. In the 85-86 season, life went on. It was hard, but uh, life went on. If I'm remembering right, Pam even married again in the 85-86 uh, season. That was Bobby's widow. And um, and then, in the opening episode of the 86-87 season. Anybody remember where Bobby was? (laughs) Pam walked in to the master bath, and there was Bobby taking taking a shower. He had died some 18 months earlier, but he was back. He was uh, back taking a shower. What happened was that Patrick Duffy, who was playing Bobby, wanted back on the show, and the producers wanted him back, and so the writers wrote him back in, and here was the, the storyline. Remember, the storyline was that it all had been a bad dream, that Pam, for the whole 85, season, had dreamt all those, all those things. But the critics, neither the critics nor the viewers bought it. Uh, it just seemed so complicated, and viewership Fell and people were complaining. You know, sometimes folks that are dead just ought to stay dead. You know, (laughs) it (laughs) just. This resurrecting people from the dead gets awfully complicated. Now, obviously, um, today we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and you'll never hear me say that's a bad thing. That's the best thing ever happened on planet Earth. But it does. It does complicate things. The resurrection complicates some things. For example, if it weren't for the resurrection, then we could feel better about feeling bad. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could feel better about feeling bad. Travis, what do you mean by that? Well, let me tell you a story. Bill Self, the late Bill Self, was a pastor and he wrote a book uh, about his uh, pastoral life titled, Surviving the Stained Glass Jungle. And in that book, he, he's transparent about his, his own sense of melancholy and his battle with depression. One week had been particularly hard. Friday had its conflicts. It was a long Friday at the end of a long week. All week long, though, Bill Seff's family had been, had been planning to go to the mall and to a movie. And so, Carolyn, his wife, was home waiting. The boys were waiting for Dad to get home, for them to go to a movie. But when Bill Self got home, he said, "'Guys, it's been a long week, "'and this has been a really hard day, "'and I'm not gonna get to, "'I'm just not gonna be able to go to the movies.'" He said, "'It's a lot of conflict today, and, "'and I'm depressed.'" His wife, Carolyn, didn't miss a beat. She said, well, the boys and I will go to the movie. You just stay home and enjoy your depression. So they went to the movie, and he stayed home. Now he's down in the dumps, and now he's feeling sorry for himself. They came home. When they got home, he was already in the bed. The boys ran back to the bedroom where Dad was, and one of them said, Dad, we had a great time. The other one asked him, Dad, did you, did you enjoy your depression? Well, we were... Some of us enjoy feeling bad. Some of us would rather play the victim than the victor. The resurrection complicates that. The resurrection says, no. Nope, can't get away from can't get away with that. To be Easter people is to remember that, that there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and you can't stay in the tunnel. Now, I, I'm I'm treading on thin ice, I know, because I know depression is a real thing. And, and there's, there have to be, because the problem is so pervasive, there have to be people listening to me now who struggle with depression, clinical, real, genuine, medically diagnosed depression. And I'm not talking to you. And grief is real, and there are people listening to me who have struggled with loss, painful loss, and your heart is broken and and you are grieving and you're not enjoying that, you're doing your best to put one foot in front of the other one. I'm not even talking, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about those of us who who kind of enjoy feeling bad. But even for those of you who who do struggle with depression and whose hearts are broken over grief, Easter has a word for you too. The word from Easter, from the resurrection for you, is from Ecclesiastes, there's a time to mourn and a time to weep, and then there is also a time to laugh and a time to dance. Or put another way, there's a time to eat tabule again. And here's what I mean by that. Greg and Laura McKenzie, friends of ours, were were missionaries in Lebanon, and um, Greg's mom came over to visit them. They they took his mom for a driving tour of their part of the Middle East. In the back seat, Greg and Laura were in the front seat. In the back seat were Greg's mom and their two little kids, Samuel and Abigail, little bitty. They were at a at a border crossing when a truck, a large truck behind them, lost its brakes and rammed into the back of their car. And in an instant, Greg's mother was killed, and Samuel was killed, and Abigail was killed. I met them a few weeks after that at our church in Richmond. Richmond is the home office of the International Mission Board. The International Mission Board had brought them back and A pastoral care counselor at the mission board had brought them to our church with the hope that they would find friends and people who would gather around them as part of their healing. I I still, I could take you to the spot on the carpet where I was standing when I first met Greg and Laura. When I shook Laura's hand, it was like shaking the hand of a mannequin. Her grief so deep, her grief so deep that She was expressionless, hollow. That was 15 years ago. Eight days ago, a week ago yesterday, Laura posted the following on Facebook. A picture of herself and um, Greg, and this is what she wrote. We celebrated Abigail, that was her little girl. She would have been 19 on the 10th of April. Last night at Natalie's, it's a Lebanese restaurant. Authentic good food, tabbouleh, baba ganoush, za'atar, and more. Greg and Laura would not suggest to you that, that faith makes us immune to suffering, but they are Easter people. And Greg and Laura would say if they were standing here, there comes a time to eat baba ghanoush again. There comes a time to eat tabbouleh again. Nothing will ever fill that Samuel-shaped and Abigail-shaped hole in their hearts. But they are Easter people. And they know that the resurrection compels us and propels us beyond even our grief, toward the light at the end of the tunnel. So if you're like Bill Self and you enjoy misery, then... um, then Easter, resurrection says you can't get away with that. And if you are one whose heart is broken, resurrection has a word for you too. There comes a time to dance again, time to laugh again. It may not be, may not be this week, but there comes a time to eat baba ganoush again. Easter, the resurrection just complicates things. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could feel better about feeling bad. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could follow any spiritual path we choose. You know, if it weren't for the resurrection, then religion would be like the, like the buffet at the Golden Corral. You know, you walk up and you just kind of take what you want. If it weren't for the resurrection, then religion would be, you know, there's this whole pantheon of religious figures and you could just pick one. Someone could say, I, I, I like Oprah, or I, I like uh, Deepak Chopra, or I, I like old-time religion, or I like new-age religion, and, you know, you just pick what you, like Like a salad bar, you just pick what you want. But the resurrection, resurrection says, no, this is not, um, this is not the buffet. Resurrection points to Jesus' words in Acts 14, John 14, 6, where he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And the, ex- the resurrection adds an exclamation point to that. Resurrection points to Acts four twelve. There's no other name under heaven whereby people can be saved other than the name of Jesus. And the, the resurrection puts an exclamation point at the end of that. That's not a popular thing in our culture, in our pluralistic culture, where we like what we like and we, we, we insist on our preferences. Uh, Some of you weren't around. I was the uh, interim preacher here from uh, August of 14 through uh, October of 15. Uh, I flew in uh, every weekend, popped off, popped off, and popped out for 14 months. I said during those months lots of profound wise things, but people only remember a couple. People remember that That afternoon, I accidentally called a touchdown standing on the five yard line, and they they remind me of that. There's another thing people remember. And just in case you weren't around, I'll I'll let you know what it is. So when I was growing up, if I wanted to listen to music, not on the radio, if I wanted to listen to my music, I had to buy an eight track. Anybody ever had an eight track? And And then we advanced to cassette tapes. But even with cassettes, you had to buy stuff you didn't want. I mean, I'd buy an album that had 12 songs on it, six of them I I didn't like, but that's just the way it was. Not anymore, not anymore. I got me an iPod, and with that iPod, I just listen to what I want to. I go to iTunes, and I download only what I want. I've got some Christian music on there. Thank you, I do, but I also have um, the Coasters and the Cornelius Brothers, and I've got um, John Meyer and um, and, uh, James... James uh, is it Stevens, or James uh, Cat in the Cradle, who was that? Cat Stevens. <laughs> Cat Stevens. That's it. Cat Stevens. And y'all feel free to jump in anytime. I. <laughs> I've um. I've got Rascal Flats, and uh, I've got uh, Zach Brown. I've got uh, Mama told me not to come, and Papa was a rolling stone. I've got. Um, I've got Sweet Home Alabama and Georgia on my mind. I also have, and this is what, this is what people remind me of. I, I also have Barry Manilow. I do. And the Backstreet Boys. I do. I've got both of them on my iPod. Except we don't use iPods anymore. That was four years ago. We, now they don't, I don't think they make them anymore. You're streaming now. Everything's Spotify and Pandora and... Apple Music, but still, still very personal. Still just what I want. We live in a pluralistic, personalized culture where we want what we want, and so it's, it's not popular to say that Jesus is the, is the sole-exclusive way to the Father. Please hear me. I... I know there's a wideness to God's mercy and there is an amazingness to his grace. And if he has other ways to himself that he's not revealed in the Bible, then that's his business. But I have to live as if Jesus was serious when he said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life and there's no other way to the Father but by me. And quite frankly, I would not gamble otherwise. The resurrection complicates things. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could feel better about feeling bad. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could could choose from the pantheon of religious figures. The resurrection won't let us do that. And there's another thing, if it weren't for the resurrection, we could just live like we want to live and then assume that when we die, that's it. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could just live however we want to live with the assumption that when we die, it's all over and there are no lasting repercussions, but the resurrection won't let us do that either. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, he declared that um, this world and this life is not all there is. I've been doing some uh, research that for me is fascinating uh, on uh, Dr. Werner Von Braun, who had this spiritual religious side that I was in the dark about. And I've, I've read uh, more than 20 of his papers and speeches about his faith and about religion. One of the things he felt most strongly about, wrote most often about, was on the afterlife. He had this deep conviction that this life is not all that is. And I want you to hear words from him. Listen carefully, only a couple of sentences. Science tells us that nothing in nature, not even the tiniest particle, can disappear without a trace. Now, if God applies this fundamental principle to the most minute and insignificant parts of his universe, doesn't it make sense to assume that he applies it also to the masterpiece of his creation, the human soul? That's, that's Dr. Werner von Braun who says, if, if, if nothing disappears, not the most minute particle ever really goes away, then why would God let... The soul just ceased to be. And then he spoke, this is Werner von Braun, about the judgment. I'm not talking about some hellfire and damnation preacher. I'm not talking about some backwoods, you know, finger-pointing, Bible-pounding preacher. I'm talking about Werner von Braun who said that, that one day we will meet our maker. He felt pretty strongly about that. I want you to hear Acts seventeen thirty one. It says, God has set a day, he's determined a day, when he will judge the world's people with fairness and has given proof of this to us all by raising Jesus from death. So there's a day, there's a date set, and, and, and God has proven it, Acts 17, 31 says, with the resurrection of Jesus. Let me confess something else to you. This is the day of... Uh, Confession it seems. So we, we were living in Elizabethtown, Kentucky years ago and I was headed to a funeral. And I noticed that a policeman pulled out in, into the traffic behind me. He didn't turn on his blue lights. He just pulled out directly behind me. And I turned left and he turned left. And I turned right and he turned right. And I pulled into a service station and he pulled into a service station but he didn't need gasoline. He, he pulled up right next to me. Now, I've got my you know, funeral clothes on and probably mentioned as quickly as I could that I was a pastor. I play that card sometimes. <laughs> and and um, he was very polite, but he said, Sir, your uh, tag expired two weeks ago. And, and he was right. Carrie had forgotten to renew uh, the tag. And and, um, and, um, so he got his um, clipboard out. And he began to write. I thought, he's going to write me a reminder uh, note. And and, uh, I I said, sir, I'm afraid I'm going to be late to the funeral. Do you mind if I pump my gas? He didn't mind at all. And so I pumped my gas. And when I got through, uh, he handed me what he'd been writing. It wasn't a... It wasn't a reminder note. It was a citation. He saw the disappointment on my face, and and he said, the judge probably won't throw you in jail. Probably, uh, he said. Now, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story one of these days, but for now, (laughs) for now, I remember June 29. I don't know why I remember that. But there was a date on my citation that said this is the date you will appear before the judge, June 29. Acts 17.31 says that there is a day, and I don't know when that day is, wouldn't begin to predict that day. But the creator of the universe has decided that that history is not just wandering aimlessly, but we're headed, we're headed toward a day. You know, these windows, and I, I'm not an artist and I'm not an interpreter of art, but somehow these windows depict the beginning of time with the explosions, those, I've heard Billy do a good job explaining this. And then it comes back around to all things coming together. And there's a date at the end of that. It's not on the window because we don't know when it is, but there's a date. When every one of us will, will stand before our fair and loving and holy creator. The resurrection complicates things. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could feel better about feeling bad. If it weren't for the resurrection, you know, we could just pick any spiritual path we want. If it weren't for the resurrection, then we could eat, drink, and be merry. By the way, in in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking about the resurrection, and he goes back all the way to Isaiah 52, and he said, you know, they used to say, let's eat and drink because tomorrow we die. People still say that. Let's eat and drink, be merry, because, you know, when we die, we die. But the resurrection says that's just not true. Finally, if it weren't for the resurrection, then we wouldn't have to make a decision. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could just go through life, happy, eat, drink. And we wouldn't have to decide what to do with Jesus. He'd be a a choice. But the resurrection says, you got to make a decision. The resurrection forces our hand. The resurrection demands an up or down vote. The resurrection demands we either reject Jesus or we embrace him. The resurrection demands that we either decide we got this on our own or we need his transforming power. Now get your Bibles and I want you to read with me from Romans 10 if you have them open. Beginning at verse nine. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I know Easter's an odd day. I know, it's, I know it's an unusual day. With all its wonder, it still feels a little circus-like. I know. But we're, we're coming to an important point in, in your life, and, and that is when you're invited to make a decision. To be part of our church, you'd be more than welcomed here. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we'd love to talk with you about that. And we sing to give you an opportunity to make a decision, 622 is the hymn. And I'm gonna be here, a couple of other ministers are gonna be here. And we invite you to, if you feel the prompting of God's spirit, to step out from where you are, and we'll take it from there if you'll just come to where we are. 622, let's stand please and sing.